Hello there. Welcome to Talent and Growth. I'm your host, Paul Church. Thank you for locking on today. Can you tell I'm a little bit excited today because we've got the co-founder and CEO of Sourcewell, Tim Hogwood. Sourcewell is a platform I use every single day. I think it is phenomenal. It's uh, fantastic for business development. It's fantastic for sourcing. It's just great. And we're going to learn from Tim, the co-founder himself of Sourcewell, what makes good outreach. So he's going to give us some practical tips for our sourcing, which is gold dust, of course. We're talking about the future of recruitment. We're talking about the benefits and pitfalls of automation and lots more. You're going to enjoy this one. Let me know what you think. Here he is. Just before today's episode, let me talk to you for a second about candidate experience. Now, there has been a shift in how candidates are evaluating companies, and this has been brought on by a new type of workforce, millennials and Gen Z. This new generation cares about the experience more than ever, and talent teams who recognize this are winning the best talent faster. But keeping up this experience is exhausting. Candidate prep, scheduling, communication, and feedback for a couple of jobs, that's a full-time job in itself. And scaling that across an organization, we're talking tough times. Now, do you hire more people or do you look to a solution? Modern companies like Synthasia and Tropic have found their solution, and it's Candidate.fii. With Candidate.fii, talent teams can put their candidate experience on autopilot. It integrates seamlessly with your agency. ATS and it gives your candidates a centralized hub for their entire journey. So head over to candidate.fyi now to learn more and do mention talent and growth. You'll get 10% off. Here we go. Tim, very warm welcome to Talent and Growth. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure. I'm a big fan of your product, Sourcewale. I use it every day. I used it this morning. So it's very exciting for me to have you on. So for those who aren't familiar with who you are and maybe even what Sourcewale is, do you want to give us a bit of an overview into your professional journey and I suppose what led you to co-found Sourcewale? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So where to begin? In the beginning, my professional career to date left uni. Like half the people that leave uni have no clue what I want to do with my life. So of course, I became a management consultant jack of all trades, master of none. And there I was obviously a small cog in a very, very large wheel. And what I really found that I actually enjoyed doing was seeing the results of the work that I did, which is something sometimes you don't necessarily see in management consulting. So I wanted to flip it on its head and albeit I was going to stay a very, very small cog, I wanted to join a much smaller wheel. So I had a much larger impact on the work that I did there. So that's how I kind of made that natural transition to the world of tech. But that wasn't my own company. I did get heavily involved in everything from ops to hiring, etc., which is part of the way I got led into Sourcewell. But I always had that itch there that I wanted to start my own thing. Albeit, I could say a very, very small company, I had that itch to build something. And I was very fortunate in the fact that I, I had a best friend that I met back at university, a guy called Harry, who's our CTO, who's the smart one. I'm just the one that likes to talk quite a lot. But we knew we had quite complementary skills. We knew we wanted to work on something, but we weren't quite sure what it was. And back in the time, I think it was 2019, um, obviously, you know, we'd been working in tech startups. We thought maybe we should build our own tech startup. Neither of us really wanted to raise money. We wanted to have kind of a large control over our destiny. And I think in 2019, it was often seen as that, you know, I mean, times have changed now. We're recording this podcast in, what, 2023. But in 2019, I think it was seen that the only way to kind of start a B2B SaaS company or any kind of tech company is to raise a load of funding. And neither of us really wanted to do that. So... Obviously, that sounds mad now. You know, the sexy thing is to bootstrap stuff. But back in 2019, it was all the rage. And, you know, various reasons why we didn't raise to raise money. But uh, we really just wanted to kind of have that control over our destiny to summarize. So we really set out to start a services business. And one thing that both Harry and I had had pain points with our previous companies 
was hiring. Neither of us were hiring experts, but neither of us had really the budgets to be using agencies, which I know I'm embarrassed to say now because we serve mostly recruitment agencies. And so we tried to do a lot of it ourselves and actually ended up building small bits of tools to automate some of the more repetitive parts of that process. So you'd think at that point, well, that's where Sourcewell came about, but no, no, no. I got the idea to then quit my job, start a recruitment agency, and so the first nine months of Sourcefile was actually a recruitment agency instead, a one-man band, which was just myself, yours truly. I had Harry working in the background to help me automate some of the more repetitive and manual tasks, and we went from there. And I think it was only probably a bit of a shocker happening, which was March 2020, and everyone knows what happened then in March 2020, to actually kind of trigger us to do that pivot. So obviously the market kind of completely dried up temporarily for a couple of months. I started panicking. I've just quit my relatively well-paid job in tech to start this one-man band recruitment agency. The market was good, now the market's not so good. What the hell do I do? Probably with a few more expletives added in here and there. And it was only when I started partnering with other recruitment agencies saying like, hey, I've got some candidates, but I need some more clients. Can you give me a hand? Started partnering with these guys, started letting them see the kind of tech that we had in the background. A couple of those people turned around to me and they said, Tim, like you're an all right recruiter, which as you know, Paul was British where you're a relatively crap recruiter, but you're incredibly good at getting passionate about your product and this the thing you've got underneath, we would pay you for it. So it's only at that point, I know in, in hindsight, it seems obvious that we kind of got dragged kicking and screaming into being a B2B SaaS company. We actually had clients straight away who were willing to pay us for that product. And that's when I turned around, I think it was kind of July, 2020-ish. I said to Harris, I don't think we need to raise money. I think we can actually just be, rather than trying to be a services business, that's tech enabled underneath, I think we can just be a tech business. And we went from there and the rest is history. When you look back to 2020 and what SourceWale was then in terms of what it could do, because I'm a relatively new adopter of the product. So what are the things that stand out to you as the biggest differences in your platform now compared to then? So actually in the middle, we didn't pivot to save you and the listeners in the interest of time. I didn't actually mention, we actually pivoted once within that as well. So in the very early days of SourceWale, again, when it wasn't called Sourceware at this point, my original idea was actually around, we were very heavily involved in hiring tech candidates. And we had this kind of tool at a very high level that was meant to help you assess the GitHub repository. So for those of you who are listening and know what those are, also for those of you who don't know what they are, it's almost like where developers might publish their own code online. It kind of social media meets like open source version control. So it's where a lot of software engineers will share their code, open source it, get comments, get updates from other people, and they can gain followers, etc. So we had a very early version source that actually only works on GitHub rather than LinkedIn. And really the main thing there was less around the kind of outreach sequencing, which you all know Paul is kind of source well today is one of our core focuses, and more around actually flagging what was good quality code. So again, we can go into a huge amount of depth. We probably don't have time to on this podcast, but um, the very early version of Sourcewell was all around that, trying to highlight what this developer might be most proud of, what they've put the most work into. So it could then be used in my kind of very manual outreach at that point. So all of that work and that product, we actually had a domain we bought called codereview.tech, which not a lot of people know. But all of that work that went into that product, um, you'll now, Paul, if you go onto Sourcewell and you look into the campaigns and you'll see there's a GitHub repo dropdown, which is a personalization variable, all of that product is now just one variable within the Sourcewell product. So to answer your question, in the early days, the product was very, very different. We actually went for a couple of iterations, but the concept of automating the stuff you should automate, so you've got more time to focus on automating stuff, that not automating stuff that you shouldn't, has stayed true throughout the product, throughout the years. 
That's really interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, it's really, really good for that. Uh, thanks for sharing that. So, and then if you look at today, where SourceWell centers on recruitment automation, of course, well, what problems do you think that SourceWell is fixing for the modern recruiter with its automation? Yeah, absolutely. So for those the listeners that don't know what it is, we're effectively a business development and headhunting platform. What our main aim is, is to help drive engagement. And so in terms of the pain points that we help with, so well, actually some of the advantage we see when people are using platforms, not just our own, but platforms like ours, to help them have a multi-channel, multi-touch approach, both their business development and their candidate sourcing. Things like we found looking at our data recently, you're five times more likely to book a meeting, that could be a candidate sourcing or BD, if you have an eight-touch approach. So that's when you're reaching out to people, kind of eight touch points versus something like three, you can have double the number of meetings if you use three outreach channels, so like LinkedIn, phone call, text, email, whatever it may be, versus just using one channel as well. So those are the kind of things that we know that they work. And so how does Sourcewell help with that? We basically help you execute all of that stuff, keep track of everything you're doing, again, both on the BD side and the candidate sourcing side, without having to jump between a multitude of different systems. And then we automate those things that you should be automating, so like sound and reporting, remembering to follow up, etc. So you can focus on the bits that you shouldn't, as I said before, like actually truly adding in hyper-personalization, having that time to do that kind of high-touch approach, but still have the kind of quantity that you need, especially in a market like this, to get responses. Gotcha. And when we talk about automation, there are, of course, various degrees to which it can be applied. So how do we determine the right level of automation in a recruitment process? Really good question. And I think it's quite polarizing. I think people have quite different opinions on this. And I think the best way to summarize it, I would say, is the issue with automation comes when using it leads to a different outcome to that if you've just done it manually yourself. If someone couldn't tell that you're using automation, you're probably using the right level of automation. If someone could tell you're using automation, you're using the wrong level of automation. And I think that's what it comes down to. An anecdote is even from my own profile. This is obviously specifically to do with kind of outreach automation and recruitment. But if you look at my own LinkedIn profile, you'll see, if you read my bio, it'll say, to show you've read my profile before connecting, please call me Tim rather than Timothy. Only my mum calls me that. And I'm aware that's quite sneaky for someone that sells a product that helps automate things. But I think it really helps show how much I truly think about this difference between what you should automate and what you shouldn't. So what I don't think you should be automating is who you pick or what exactly you say. But in terms of making sure that you haven't reached out to that person before, that you continue to reach out to that person, that you've got the right level of data for them and you log that correctly, that's all the kind of stuff you can automate. So I think, yeah, again, to summarize, if someone knows you're using automation or automation, if you're not doing some kind of outreach automation, you're usually trying to use automation generally in your recruitment processes, if that leads to a different, well, definitely a worse quality of outcome or even a different kind of outcome to that of doing it manually, that's probably the wrong level. And that's my general kind of sense check. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if we look at the example of messaging as an obvious one, I think the danger of automation is people can get lazy and they can make mistakes in terms of their outreach and not read profiles like the example you gave of people maybe calling you Timothy rather than Tim. And I think that's a danger of automation. I know that Sourcewell, having had a very good experience with your customer success team, are very, very big on emphasizing the importance of personalization as well as that. So I think that's the balance you've got to get. And I think, yeah, we've got to make sure there's a good balance between automation and personalization and not just fall back completely on that automation because then things just get sloppy don't they 100 percent. i think yes yeah, so advantages of automation it helps you keep consistent actually so hopefully it stops you getting sloppy and makes sure that you are following with people for example it also helps you scale because i think this is always this balance right of quality versus quantity and i think automation helps you with the quantity side 
but you should use the time you saved to keep up the quality side. And I think that's one of the disadvantages often on the pitfalls of automation is when individuals use automation to up the quantity, but they scale back on the quality or they just don't even focus on it as much as they should do considering they're using automation. And so I think you can lose that personal element as you were talking about previously. And I've got this, again, probably pretty terrible analogy. Starting to use automation for whatever it may be is kind of like going from a Morris Minor to a Ferrari. You have the ability to go a lot faster, which is awesome, but you also have the ability to crash into a lamppost at a much higher speed. Good analogy. That I think that paints a very, very clear picture. Now, shifting gears a bit, let's talk about outreach because I'm sure that many people, when they see that I've got the co-founder of Sourcewell on this podcast, that they'd be keen to hear about your thoughts are around what good outreach really looks like. So what do you believe the effective strategies the best recruiters will implement to get the highest response rates? Yeah, absolutely. So I think DERCRO summarizes really well on a podcast recently. So uh, shout out to our own one if people want to go and look at it on our blog in more detail. But to summarize, it kind of comes down, we have this thing called MMQQ. So that's multi-touch in your outreach. You're touching that candidate or that contact multiple times in forms of communication. Multi-channel, so that's not just relying on email or just cold calling or whatever it may be. As I was touching on just briefly before as well, so quantity and making sure you've got the right quantity and also quality. And so the quantity and quality piece is really, really interesting. So people often say, like, what is that? So I think looking at the data of people who use our platform specifically, the ones that are getting success are the people that are adding kind of 25 to 50 new contacts per week. Now, that might not sound like a lot, and there's definitely people who have success adding more, but that's kind of the minimum level we see of people that have that steady stream. And it it might not sound like a lot uh, for someone using an automation platform, but actually even just reaching that level consistently, but combining that with high quality outreach as well is probably more than enough for an effective outreach strategy, I would say. In terms of that kind of multi-thread, multi-touch as well, something that we're really passionate about because we've looked at the data recently as well is something called multi-threading. So again, I'm sure loads of people listening in will probably know what that means, but just to kind of summarize it, that is effectively, there's different types of multi-threading which we can break down. So it's kind of one to multiple. So this is, you've got one person on your team reaching out to multiple people in a target account. So obviously this is more specifically for BD. For your candidate sourcing, it might be the other way around. For example, you might have yourself reaching out and a hiring manager, but focusing on the BD side, so I know that's quite a top of line, definitely the agency side right now. So that's one to multiple, but there's also multiple to multiple as well. And so that's kind of multiple people from your organization reaching out to multiple people at their organization as well. And so we've really seen that that has had a huge uptick on the responsiveness, the outcomes of outreach strategies that people who are at least using our platform have. So I could talk on this kind of stuff all day, but just to summarize, yeah, multi-touch, multi-channel, quantity and quality. But I really want to hammer home that point of, yes, you're using automation, but you should still treat your outreach process like you're doing it manually. If we deep dive into the actual, the messaging itself and then kind of any techniques or tactics that you think have worked well, what would be your top kind of three tips around this which would help people get high response rates? Yeah, really good question. So again, I've got another short bit of summarising it and then I can dive into the details. So say it's all about the right person, the right message at the right time. Obviously, that's quite the rule of three. That rhymes quite well. But so right person, all about focusing on your ICP. So either your ideal customer profile, if you're doing BD, or your ideal candidate profile, same three-letter word, kind of same meaning. But the way, obviously, you might have an idea of what works well for you guys, but I think especially in a changing market like we're seeing in 2023, it's really important to dive down into the data here. So look at your data and see who do you actually have a good win rate with. So 
Look at also what hasn't worked recently. So again, a lot of people might think they know what works, but actually you might have been pulled into doing placements for you know, certain types of roles because you've just ended up doing that and naturally got there over time. But actually, if you dive down into the data, it doesn't work for your organization, but actually you're spending a lot of time and a lot of work and there's maybe, could even be a smaller part of your niche that you look at, but you're actually getting a higher win rate with another part. So always make sure you're focusing on the right person. And again, probably not going to use your podcast to tell your listeners who the right person is because they will know better than I do. But all I would say on that point is really make sure you've got the right data on that because it doesn't matter how good your message is. If you're not hitting the right person, it doesn't matter, it's going to get deleted. So then obviously if you are hitting the right person, it is all about the right message. So again, so many people talk about this, but just to summarize it relatively briefly, make sure you're focusing on a pain point for that individual, right? Keep it short, keep it simple. Always have a layer of personalization. So we find of people who are using our platform as an example, they might have generic templates that they might use, but those individuals that add in some kind of custom personalization on the fly get a double the response rate. And that's actually a hard number that we've looked at. Of those that actually go and insert hyper-personalization at the contact or the candidate level, get double the response rate. So adding in a kind of like a true level of personalization on top of the personalization that automation can help you with as well. Obviously, in terms of actually writing the template or the message itself in general, there are tools out there that can help you. Obviously, I'm quite biased. We have content coach built into Sourcewell, but there are plenty of other platforms out there that can help with copywriting these days and, and writing messaging. Just make sure that they're built for you as an individual. Their ICP is yours. And so, for example, a content coach, all of our data around that in our platform is built specifically for recruiters, so either doing BD or candidate outreach as well. I think my final point as well was about the right time. And obviously on a micro level, this could be around kind of the right time of day or night or the right day of the week, for example. But I think at a more macro level, it's about making sure that you are top of mind for an individual when it's the right time for them. You can't always predict when you know that's going to be. We have data in our system that shows certain days of the week might be better for BD outreach or candidate sourcing. But frankly, I mean, Paul, you get cold outreach, I'm sure as well. I do every day. Often it can just depend on what mood you're in, whether you have a particular pain point at that point in time. And so it's always a balance. You're not always going to know that. You can use best practices, but I think, again, making sure you're being consistent, using automation or not to make sure that you are there at the right time, I think is probably the final point. I have uh, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. in my head as being apparently the most popular or the best time to message someone with a business development approach. Have I got that from Sourcewell or have I got that from somewhere else? So definitely within your own Sourcewell platform, we probably have an average across the entire platform. I don't know off the top of my head if it would be 10 a.m. Tuesday right now. I think maybe in the past, I probably had that more data to hand, but a couple of months ago, with someone that was placing lab technicians. And so it's all, you know, very different to kind of your traditional kind of office recruitment. And one thing that they pointed out to me, they said, it's really interesting, we're having discussions with your customer success managers, and they were saying, oh, you know, maybe you should try this time or that time. And they were saying, well, actually for us, it's quite different because these people are working in a lab every day, they're not looking at their phones. The best time to hit those guys is 8.30 till nine when they're on their commute, and they're absolutely hating their job before the day of work. Probably not when they're leaving the lab on a Friday afternoon and they're going to the pub with their friends. So again, the answer is it always depends. You will probably be able to see in your particular source for instance what works for you. But again, with all of this data, I've always had to make sure you've got enough data. You will always have a gut on what works, but make sure the data backs that up, but make sure you've got enough of it before making that assumption. But Tuesday, 10 a.m. is probably when I'm looking to procrastinate quite a lot, right? I've slogged through Monday. Tuesday, I'm still quite far from the end of the week, and I'm probably looking to distract myself. I know I'm probably in my inbox a fair amount then, so that sounds about right to me. Okay, so anyone who's looking to sell something to Tim, you know when to get him, all right? Yeah, exactly. Now I'm going to have to make sure that I'm really on top of my inbox. 
as a leader in the recruitment industry, Tim, what are the trends or innovations that you're most excited about right now? I mean, this is going to be the direct answer, but I can add a little bit more colour to it. it. Generative AI, right? And I'm sure some of your listeners will sigh as well when I say that. But I think it's about harnessing it correctly. I think it's got a real opportunity to help augment recruitment and help trigger creativity, right? There are so many generic, basic tasks from writing job descriptions to starting to craft outreach. Again, not finalising it, not personalising it to the same level, but there's some really exciting things that are coming out with generative AI to, and I think, again, this is one of Sourcewell's ethoses, right? Automate stuff you don't need to be doing so you can focus on the stuff that you should be. And I think that generative AI just helps level that up, but I think we have to be very, very careful here. And I think with most things, when there's a new product that comes out, there's new hype, people swing all the way in the other, other direction. You have to be living under a rock to have not heard about ChatGPT over the last eight months. But before that, no one was talking about it at all. And I find with these things, often people kind of pivot so far in the other direction. And actually what people are probably now going through is that kind of chasm of disillusionment and saying, well, I'm using ChatGPT and it's pretty crappy. It's giving me the same generic answers or it's getting worse, whatever it may be. And I think to be honest, with all these things, the answer is always somewhere in the middle. I think that generative AI has shown that it's going to be a useful addition to a recruiter's arsenal. But I think, frankly, every company, us as well, but recruitment agencies, in-house talent acquisition professionals, they're all trying to work out exactly what that level of optimization is. And I still think we're in those learning phases, but I'm really excited for what's to come. We've already started rolling some of that stuff out in our own product with things like WhaleGPT and Content Coach. But again, I don't think that we're anywhere close, if ever, to completely replacing the vast parts of outreach having that human element as well. But I'm really excited for how they can automate and hopefully help recruiters level up their game. What can you tell us about, I suppose, the next evolution of SourceRail and what do you expect the product to look like in the coming two to three years or so? Yeah, really, really good question. So one thing that we're aiming to become is, and I think we're already that to a point, but very much kind of doubling down on, is becoming your system of work. So you've got your system of record, right? And you've, whether you use Bullhorn, Job out of in Cherry or many of the other fantastic staffing CRMs or an ATS like Greenhouse on the in-house side, that's kind of your system of record. Sourcewell is aiming to become your system of work. So the tool that integrates very nicely into that system of record helps make sure you're getting high quality data in there. It's always kept up to date, but is actually your go-to platform for helping you do your day-to-day work, helping you without something like a broken record, automate certain activities for you. So obviously to date, we've been quite involved in kind of top of funnel, like outreach sequencing. One of the things that I'm really excited on that we've got in beta right now and we've rolled out to some of our customers is our first kind of step into helping people with their BAU, so their business as usual process. They're on their top of funnel candidate sourcing or business development kind of message sequencing. I've just come out now with a kind of Gmail add-in and in beta we've got an, an Outlook extension as well, which brings the power of SourceWell campaigns or SourceWell sequencing to existing ongoing conversations you have that haven't necessarily been generated by SourceWell. So we have something now, a concept called a SourceWell nudge sequence. Now, if any of your listeners use SourceWell, they won't have seen it yet if they, it comes out quite soon, but they will see it quite shortly. And that is the kind of marks the start of our movement into kind of the business as usual process as I mentioned before so really becoming that system of work so you're going to log in every day you come to Sourcewell not only is it helped send an automatic follow-up email for example but it, it's helping you keep track of not just the tasks you've got to do as it does today but also maybe who are your hot prospects or hot candidates who you should be reaching out to right now so again bringing some of those concepts of generative AI I spoke about previously bringing some of those kind of benefits of AI 
but to augment your work and your task flow and help you just get more done. And hopefully, frankly, make it more interesting. I mean, I put on my own bio when we first started Sourcewell. Uh, we're here to kind of automate the tedious and keep recruiters sane. I think whether this be looking at our product in the next six months, the next year, the next three years, if you want to work out what we're going to be working on, that's what it's going to be. Anything that helps us automate the tedious, excuse my friend, crap, so that your life is more interesting, more entertaining, you're therefore in a better mood, you're treating your candidates, your clients better, and hoping adding more value as well. Love it. Well, looking forward to seeing the journey Sourcewell is going to go on. Final question. Do you have any advice for HR professionals or recruiters or talent acquisition who might be feeling a bit overwhelmed by the rapid pace we've seen in technological advancements in the industry? Because the last 12 months have been crazy and I can expect the next 12 months to be crazy as well. So what advice have you got? Yeah, spot on, Paul. I think um, there's a lot of hype right now. I think I'd probably say, like, don't get overwhelmed by the hype. Like, tech companies... LinkedIn influencers, they're all rewarded for hyping stuff up, right? It's in their interests, it drives engagement. And don't get me wrong, I think there's a lot of hype that we should be excited about. But I think the true value from all the technological advancements will start to come through with time. And as long as you've got an open mind, you're not going to get left behind, right? It's not as if you don't learn how to perfectly prompt ChatGPT in the next two months, you're going to be out of a career. But it just, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. But if something keeps coming up again and again, then have an open mind to learning more about it. But as long as you do that, You've got nothing to fear. Love it. Tim, thank you so much for sitting down with us having a chat with Talent & Growth. Thanks for locking on today and do me a favour, do yourself a favour. If you are enjoying Talent & Growth, hit follow, hit subscribe. You don't want to miss any episodes that we're putting out there because we are just talking to great people, getting great content, getting great advice for you. Next week, we're going to be talking to the co-founder of Flow Healthcare. We're going to be talking about his founder's journey, how he's built a business, how he's building a business, what's gone wrong, what's gone right, and how he's moving forward. And we're going to be throwing back to our webinar where we talked about how to retain tech talent specifically. Do not want to miss this. Hit subscribe, hit follow, and you won't. See you next time.